Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, it's Seat Kulazinac. Welcome to the Arsenal Audio Program. Premier League, Monday 1st of April 2019, Arsenal vs Newcastle, kick-off 8pm. Contents, head coach, captain, voice of Arsenal, historic hat-trick, club culture, on this day, tales of the century, match action, Arsenal vs Wren, community, visitors, Newcastle, Arsenal women, Player feature, Granite Zaka. Teams. The head coach, Unai Emery. Info, born on Arabia, Spain, November the 3rd, 1971. Previous clubs as manager, Lorca Deportivo, Almeria, Valencia, Spartak Moscow, Sevilla, Paris Saint-Germain. After two and a half weeks without a game, the head coach is raring to go again in the Premier League. Unai was speaking to Josh James. Good evening. We are ready to go again in the Premier League after a long time without football. After a very, very positive training camp in Dubai, we are back with full focus on the rest of the season, starting tonight against Newcastle. We wanted to go to Dubai to have different weather, a different temperature. It was good, and we also trained with very good facilities. We discovered all the things that we wanted to there, and we also played a good match with our supporters. We have a lot of supporters out in Dubai already, and we also took a lot over there. We have the habit of playing three matches in a week, and when we are doing that, the players are very focused to prepare to rest, to play three matches consecutively. So when we reach the international break, we can rest other players. In this international break, we decided to go away to train for four days and play a match in a different country. But it's the same idea, the same spirit. Don't stop, keep moving forward. Training with the players, with the young players, with us in Dubai. Then on Friday, we met with everybody as a group again to focus on tonight's match. I think for the players and for me, we have this habit to play a lot of matches in one week. The competition is coming back. We are progressing step by step, and for us, it is getting better. 
the adaptation for all the players in their work is getting better and we are keeping confidence. The players are also showing they wish to do something important this year. The key time is now. The break we had is key for the next month and we are focused for the rest of the season. Our objective in the league is clear, to stay in the top four. We are working and being competitive each match. Now, in these last eight league matches, we need to play with a lot of personality like we did against Manchester United. We know it's going to be difficult because we are surrounded by other big teams, but I think we are working very well and we are taking confidence to have chances in the last matches. Each match is our next objective and we think game by game. The next game is at home with our supporters against Newcastle, so it's up to us to enjoy each match with the possibility of finding the three points. Afterwards, the second way of qualifying for the Champions League is through the Europa League. We can play for one title and then also to take another way to reach the Champions League. We are in a good moment in good confidence and also in a good moment physically. Before the break, we were in a good way in the Europa League and Premier League. We must be in the same spirit to start and to play against Newcastle at Emirates Stadium with our supporters. I think, with a very big atmosphere to help us, together we can be strong. Our home form has been very good, but that's not in my thoughts now, because I know this match is going to be very difficult. Newcastle are in a good moment. They have a lot of good players and good organisation. The coach has a lot of experience and he is very competitive. I know all about that. The last matches they have played, they were playing with a big confidence, looked very strong defensively and were very competitive. My focus is on how we can break their defensive positions and how we can deliver a big performance for us to take a win against them. Finally, tonight we mark our Arsenal for Everyone programme. Personally, I can say I am proud to be a member of the Arsenal family. For me, it is a family that welcomes everybody and brings people together through respect and a love of football. It is an important part of a football club that anybody can come and enjoy watching a match. It does not matter about their differences or background. As the head coach, I want to make it clear that everyone is welcome here. Tonight we will celebrate the diversity of the Arsenal family because that is what makes us so strong. From Emery Angle Every matchday programme we provide extra insight into the life and times of the head coach. Unai Emery had the last laugh the last time we had a game on April Fool's Day. Two years ago to the day, he picked up his second major honour as manager of Paris Saint-Germain, the French League Cup. He had only been at the club for ten months when his side defeated Monaco for one in the final to add to the Trophée de Champion he lifted in his first game. His goal scorers in the win over Monaco were Julian Draxler, Angel Di Maria and Edinson Cavani, two, Thomas Lema netted for Monaco. It was one of seven trophies he won in two seasons in France. The Captain Info Born Toulay, France, September 10th, 1985 Joined Arsenal from Laurent, 
on July the 2nd, 2010. Previous clubs. Gouingamp, Tours, Laurent. Arsenal debut versus Liverpool, A, League, August 15th, 2010. Drew 1-1. First Arsenal goal versus Bolton Wanderers. League, September 11th, 2010. 1-4-1. Arsenal honours, FA Cup. Winner 2014, 2015, 2017. Community Shield winner 2014, 2015. Laurent Cossinani. Laurent discusses a very productive break in Dubai and the importance of tonight's match, both on and off the pitch. It feels like it has been ages since our last match against Laurent. We are glad to be back and start the final sprint of the season. Here tonight against Newcastle. There are only six weeks left to go until the end of the campaign and we still have so much to play for between the Premier League and Europa League. It has been a very exciting time and we feel very confident that we can do really well in both competitions. You probably all saw that we had been to Dubai for a training camp for a week and it was a really positive experience. We had never done it since I had been at the club and it was different and really beneficial, I felt. We trained hard and in excellent conditions. It was also a great occasion for the squad to gel even more. You spend quality time with the staff and your teammates, but in a different environment than usual. For the team spirit and our unity, it was very good. There were some youngsters as well, and for them too, it was a great experience. I feel that is exactly what we needed at this time of the season, even if some of the boys were away from their national teams. Since our last match against Wren, our focus has been on Newcastle game tonight. Against Wren, it has been a very good win. We knew that our performance in the first leg over in France was not good enough, but we always believed that we could come back to go through. The support from you guys was amazing, and we felt all your energy. The atmosphere was electric, and we all knew that if we started the game well, we would put ourselves on the right path to qualify. We did just that. The first goal was crucial, and to get another one so quickly put us in a very strong position. I was delighted for Ainsley to score. He had been working really hard, and he deserved it. The third goal was brilliant too. In the build-up and the celebration... I think it's fair to say that we all enjoyed Abba's Black Panther, and I knew that he wanted to do it, the week before he was not sure where the mask was so he couldn't do it. This time, he knew and he did it. He celebrated like that with Batman or Spider-Man masks at other clubs, so it was just a matter of time before he did it here. I don't know if he has something planned for tonight, but I really hope he scores again. Tonight will be a rough game. Newcastle has been good and solid in 2019. They are always well organised and well drilled. Rafael Bentes is our good manager, and they are strong physically but good technically too. Rondon is so impressive in the air, and they have great crosses of the ball, as well to serve him and play on his strengths. We will have to defend very well again, and find the right balance between attacking and defending. We will have to be patient and disciplined too, while putting them under pressure. We have been so good at home this season, and we have the confidence and momentum here. Every game now, until the end of the season, is huge. To a lot of people, the two legs against Napoli might feel like the toughest encounters because they are such a big team. But all of our remaining matches will be really hard, and we will have to be our best if we want to win them all. 
This is our objective. We need to win every game until the end of the season. If we manage to do that, then we'll be assured of finishing in the top four, which is very important for the club and the players. The Europa League is also a competition we can win. We don't fear anyone, and we can beat anyone as well. When we had to get the result this season, we did. Against Chelsea or Manchester, United at home, for example. We had to win to get back into the race for the top four. We have that mentality now. We are ready to fight until the end to get the best finish of the season possible. We have great unity in the squad and faith in the staff. We are working hard and have the confidence to reach our goals. And we need your incredible support, home and away, for that. Together we can do it. Lastly, I just wanted to remind people that today, the club has special focus on our Arsenal for Everyone initiative, which celebrates diversity and all the work the club does to bring fans together. It's so important that we are open and empathetic to all supporters from all backgrounds. I think we saw a great example of this recently, when Granite invited his friend Julian over to set to the Southampton game. It was really moving to see their fantastic relationship. I think it showed just how amazing football can be in bringing people together. Enjoy the game tonight and come on Arsenal. Voice of Arsenal. Arsenal for everyone. We have dedicated tonight's match to our Arsenal for Everyone campaign, which celebrates the diversity of the Arsenal family and aims to ensure that everyone associated with the club feels an equal sense of pride and belonging. Kick It Out's 25th anniversary and the Premier League's No Room for Racism campaign will also form part of this celebration, with a joint team photo taking place before the game. The players will be welcomed onto the field tonight by a guard of honour, made up from a range of Arsenal in the community participants, to showcase the diversity of the projects we offer. At half-time, three members of our longest-running short-match bowls programme will take to the track to exhibit their skills and speak about how they feel connected to the Arsenal family. As well as hosting 24 participants from a range of Arsenal in the community projects, representatives from Kick It Out and Gay Gooners have also been invited to watch tonight's game in our director's box. Foretold in the following recording, you can listen to four tales of the Gunners' commitment to celebrating diversity. Featuring a first-team player, a government minister, our famous gappers, and the Arsenal amputees. We are a big family at Arsenal, and you are all a part of it. Carl Jenkinson it makes me even more proud to play for Arsenal, knowing that the club takes such a keen interest in supporting events like World Down Syndrome Day. At Arsenal, every month we have something called Club Day. The players are put forward to partake in various activities, more often than not for club partners and the like. We were coming to the end of this particular Club Day when I met Ben and Emmanuel. As part of Club Day, we sometimes get to help out with some of our community schemes. This was one of those occasions. As soon as I walked into this room, next to our indoor hall, there were Ben and Emmanuel. The room instantly lit up. As soon as I met them, I couldn't help but smile. 
In fact, I'm smiling now while writing this piece, as I recall what a laugh we had. We had a kick around together, and I could see how much they enjoyed playing football. To tell you the truth, I really enjoyed it too. Moments like that are really special. I didn't have to wait too long to reintroduce myself to Ben and Emmanuel. I met them again at a pre-match presentation before the Southampton game back in February, along with more kids with Down syndrome who go to the Arsenal Hub on a Monday evening to take part in the training sessions put on by our community coaches. It was such a special moment for those kids to stand in front of all the fans at the Emirates. Seeing Ben's face light up when he saw himself in a video on the big screen before the game was a great moment. I remember saying to him, You're famous now, mate. He was over the moon, and it was such an honour for me to be a small part of our club's community work. I really am immensely proud of the work Arsenal in the community does. It's what this club is all about. What I want to make clear with this is just how important it is that fans with Down syndrome, fans like Ben and Emmanuel, know they are always welcome here at Arsenal. I want to say a big thank you to all our fans with Down syndrome, both those who support from afar and those able to come to the games. We are a big family at Arsenal, and you are all a big part of it. Emirates Stadium Leading the way in accessibility Government Minister Rishi Sunak MP hailed Emirates Stadium's disabled facilities as best in class during a recent visit. The Ministry of Housing, Communities and Local Government will shortly consult on whether it should be mandatory for new stadia, shopping centres and other large public sites to provide changing places toilets for people with profound learning or physical disabilities. As the first Premier League club to introduce such a facility, which includes height-adjustable benches, hoists and room for carers, Sunak wanted to visit to see the benchmark, as well as meet supporters that use the space. Going to football to watch your team play is one of life's great pleasures, commented Sunak. It is something I love doing, and millions of others do too. But sadly, for many with complex disabilities, that's not something they can enjoy because they need access to a special changing places toilet. Without that, they don't have the dignity they need and they deserve. Arsenal were the first Premier League club to install a changing places toilet at their stadium. The Premier League have done a fantastic job at ensuring lots of other clubs do too. And now the government is going to do more as well. We want to ensure more of these vital changing places facilities are available up and down the country. We are consulting soon on making it mandatory for all new large buildings that people use, like shopping centres, leisure centres, theme parks, arenas, stadiums, to all have changing places installed as standard. As well as the changing places facilities, Emirates Stadium also has... 258 wheelchair user spaces. The same number of spaces for people with walking disabilities or visual impairment. A sensory room. Audio description commentary service. 104 blue badge bays. These facilities all form part of our ongoing commitment to ensure everybody can enjoy watching football at Emirates Stadium. League Cup victory for Arsenal Amps. 
The Arsenal Amps have been named UEFA Erwin Mitchell Inclusive League Cup champions. The side were unbeaten in all eight of their fixtures and finished top of the table on 20 points to lift their first ever piece of amputee silverware. Manchester City and Everton came second and third respectively in the nine-team tournament, which was hosted at Boldmere St Michael's FC. More than 90 players competed on the day and there was an age range of 30 years spanning between the youngest and oldest of the players. It was a great day to be involved in. The England amputee FA did a fantastic job of bringing it all together, commented Arsenal in the community coach Dan Openshaw. To be a part of it was great, and of course to win and be unbeaten throughout all eight games really topped it off for us. The guys have shown superb commitment to our sessions and to developing the team that we have here, so they deserve nothing less. Hopefully there will be plenty more days like this in the future. Tony Mills and Helder Silva took part for the side, following on from their World Cup campaign with England, which was supported by the Arsenal Foundation. Tackling mental health around the world Arsenal in the community's gap year participants, Charlie Spencer and Nathan Joshi, are currently working in Zambia to deliver a project on mental health education. The curriculum focuses on understanding mental health and the stigma surrounding it, as well as identifying signs of poor mental health and strategies for seeking support and improving emotional well-being. Since April, the project has seen the coach's knowledge of the issue of mental health rise from 50% to 97%, whilst the number of coaches that now know where to seek support with their mental health has increased from 35% to 100%. The project in Zambia uses football activities to create awareness of the importance of good mental health, said Nathan. The whole experience has been eye-opening and fulfilling, and I look forward to aiding in similar projects in the future. Earth Hour Every year, millions of people around the world join forces in a visual display of their commitment to fight for the world by switching off the lights for WWF's Earth Hour. Between 8.30pm and 9.30pm on the last Saturday of March, everything goes dark, from skyscrapers in Hong Kong to the Sydney Opera House to our own Emirates Stadium. In 2017, Arsenal worked with renewable energy supplier Octopus Energy to commit to 100% renewable electricity, from the training ground at London Colney to the Arsenal Youth Academy to Emirates Stadium itself. In 2018, we became the UK's first sports organisation to install large-scale battery energy storage at the Emirates, which allows us to use renewable energy stored at off-peak times to avoid peak prices. And in 2019, the club is on a mission to support Earth Hour once again. We are planting the octopus energy wood at our London Colney training ground and on Saturday a further 100 native broadleaf trees, including oak, rowan and silver birch, went in the ground. This is the third addition of trees to octopus's new mini woodland, taking the total number of trees to 400. Every tree planted, when fully grown, will absorb 2 kilograms of carbon dioxide every year meaning Colney Wood could save the planet nearly a tonne of carbon dioxide annually and soak up toxic air pollution particles as well. 
planting trees won't solve the problems of climate change, but it's a visual statement of the greener world we'd all like to enjoy for us and our children. To find out more about the club's efforts with sustainability, visit www.arsenal.com. 100 Years in the Top Flight This season, the club have been celebrating 100 consecutive years in the top flight, following our election to Division 1 in 1919. Our very first match of this incredible run, by far the longest sequence in England and only matched by Celtic in football across the globe, was against tonight's opponents, Newcastle United, back on August 30th, 1919. When the Gunners played Newcastle in season 1968-69, November 9th, 1968, the club celebrated 50 consecutive seasons with a special programme and a lavish dinner for all the players and staff, including many former Gunners stars. To mark the Newcastle fixture this season, we have therefore provided extra features concerning the 100 and recreated that fantastic programme cover from 1968 to 69 as our retro cover. We would implore all fans in particular to listen to the real story of how we came to be elected to Division 1 100 years ago in tonight's programme. It's a story often told down the decades, but only recently have we been able to provide the definitive, courtesy of dedicated Arsenal historians. The ultimate Arsenal prize. A fantastic chance to experience a match at the Emirates Stadium in the director's box is up for grabs in this year's ultimate charity auction. The prize includes two director's box seats for a game, a signed ball and your own personalised copy of the matchday programme, featuring your name on the front. The ultimate charity auction, which has raised more than £1 million since it was launched in 2012, has once again attracted glittering prizes from household names in sport, celebrity and lifestyle. This year's beneficiaries will be the League Managers Association charity In The Game and the GWIS Charitable Foundation. The deadline for entries is Thursday, April the 11th. To access all the fantastic auction prizes, please visit www.charitystars.com slash ultimate charity auction. Sam Pegram Everyone at Arsenal was deeply saddened to hear of the death of supporter Sam Pegram, who was a passenger on the tragic plane crash in Ethiopia. An aid worker, Sam dedicated his life to helping others. Based in Jordan and then Geneva, he worked to support refugees. Football brought Sam great joy over the years, whether playing or watching his hometown PNE or his beloved Arsenal. I was pleased to be able to get him tickets once when he was younger in the away end at Bolton. It was a tough game that ended 1-1, and it turned out to be the Gunners' Invincibles year. His sporting heroes were Thierry Henry and David Seaman, who he even dressed up as while at primary school on a Go As Your Hero Day. More recently, Sam spent much of his time abroad with his humanitarian work. Wherever he was, there would always be Arsenal fans he could bond with over a pint and a Premier League or Champions League match on the TV. We are so proud of Sam. He had a big heart, a ready smile 
and truly made a difference to so many people's lives. His mum, dad, brother Tom, and friends and family will miss him dearly and keep us with him in our hearts forever. Debbie, Mark, and Tom Pegram. One of our great Arsenal memories with Peggy was our first away match together against Man City in 2015. This was the day before one of his final year university exams. Fair play to him for coming. It was a brilliant match. A Santi penalty and an Oli Giroud header in front of the away end gave us a great win. The picture of him in the hard copy of the programme was taken during a few cans in the Etihad away end concourse. Whilst Peggy was working in Jordan, he flew out and met us for a Champions League second-leg game in Barcelona. Thoroughly soaked by the storms in the new Camp, we saw El Neni score a belter, but it wasn't enough, as goals from Messi, Neymar and Suarez knocked us out. Nevertheless, it was a memorable few days of paellas and cervezas. Peggy was a great friend to so many people all over the world. He will be remembered cherished, celebrated, and dearly missed by all who knew him. Rest in peace, Peg. Sam's friend, Scott. Ref Watch. Anthony Taylor. Tonight's referee is Cheshire's Anthony Taylor. Our paths have crossed regularly this season. This will be Mr Taylor's sixth Arsenal assignment this campaign. He officiated in our away win at Cardiff and home victories over Chelsea and Watford. He was also the man in the middle for away draws at Brighton and Tottenham. Coming up, tomorrow, the under-18s host Tottenham at London Colney, 12pm. Saturday, the under-18s travel to Reading, 11am. Sunday, the first team play Everton at Goodison Park, 2.05 p.m. Report it. Discriminatory chanting and antisocial behaviour is offensive to all fans and not tolerated. If you witness any form of offensive behaviour, you can report it to a steward or use our See Something, Say Something service by texting FOUL to 67777 together with a description of the incident. We are proud of the diverse nature of our team, our fans and wider community. Thank you for your support. On this day, 1949, 1971 double winner Sammy Nelson was born. 1995, Arsenal beat Norwich 5-1. Hartson 2, Dixon, Merson, own goal. 2000, 10-man Arsenal beat Wimbledon 3-1. Canu 2, Henri. Baggett. In every domestic programme this season, the club's kit partner Puma are giving away Arsenal shoulder bags. Just answer this question to be in with a chance of winning. Who scored Arsenal's first goal in the 2-1 win at St James's Park this season? Email your answer with full name and address to programme at arsenal.co.uk or tweet at AFC Programme. Entries by Friday, April the 5th. PL Stats 2018-19 Shots Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, 56 Alex Lacazette, 52 Henrik Mkhitaryan, 23 
Alex Iwobi, 21. Granit Chaka, 18. Chances created. Mesut Azil, 34. Granit Chaka, 32. Sayed Kolasinac, 28. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, 27. Alex Iwobi, 26. Alex Lacazette, 24. Henrik Mkhitaryan, 23. Aaron Ramsey, 22. Successful passes. Granit Xhaka, 1,637. Lucas Torreira, 1,240. Skodron Mustafi, 1,096. Matteo Guendouzi, 1,056. Socrates, 1,000. Successful crosses. Sayad Kolasinac, 11. Hector Bellerin, 9. Granit Xhaka, 8. Alex Iwobi, 7. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, 5. Mesut Azil, 5. Clearances. Skodron Mustafi, 126. Socrates, 92. Laurent Kozilny, 57. Granit Xhaka, 47. Nacho Monreal, 41. Arsenal. League champions, 1930-31, FA Cup winners, 1930-1936-1950-1971-1979-1983-1998-2002-2003-2005-2014-2015-2017. League Cup winners, 1986-87. 1992-93 Charity Community Shield winners 1930, 1931-1931, 1931-1931, 1931-1931, 1931-1931, 1931-1931, 1931-1931, 1931-1931, 1931-1931, 1931-1931, 1931-1931, 1931-1931, 1931-1931, 1931-1931, 1931-1931, 1931-1931, Fairs Cup winners, 1969-70. European Cup winners, Cup winners, 1993-94. FA Youth Cup winners, 1966-1971-1988-1994-2000-2001-2009. Arsenal Football Club, 75 Drayton Park, London, N5 1BU. 0207-619-5000 Website www.arsenal.com Email program at arsenal.co.uk Directors Sir Chips Keswick, Chairman Ken Fryer, OBE Richard Carr Lord Harris of Peckham Stan Cranker, Josh Cranker Head of Football, Raoul Sanlehi Managing Director, Vinay Venkatesham. Secretary, David Miles. Head Coach, Unai Emery.
consecutive years in the top flight. Historic hat-trick. Opponents for a special occasion. All season we are celebrating 100 consecutive years in the top flight, with particular focus in tonight's programme as we entertain a team who are so often our opponents when games of great historical importance take place. The Arsenal vs Newcastle history is littered with famous games, but the fixture list in 1893, 1904 and 1919 ensured that it also contains a quite remarkable coincidence as far as milestone games for the Gunners is concerned. Arsenal made their Football League debut in a second division encounter against Newcastle, who were also making their league bow, on September 2nd, 1893, at the Manor Ground, Plumstead. After just six minutes of play, Arthur Elliott broke through, fed Charlie Booth on the left wing, and his cross found Watershaw, who, with a terrific shot, put the ball into the net just out of Alex Ramsey's reach. This maiden league goal was met by rapturous applause from the crowd of 10,000. Shortly after the break, Woolwich Arsenal went further ahead when, following an impressive solo run from his own half by Booth, Elliot beat Ramsey with a stinging shot. Arsenal eased off, allowing Newcastle to press, and, after 65 minutes, Tom Crate scored through a melee of players. This goal spurred the Magpies on, and Jock Sawley netted shortly afterwards in similar fashion, and the game ended in a 2-2 draw. It was also the Magpies who played Woolwich Arsenal in the Gunners' first ever game in the highest echelon on September 3rd, 1904 at St James's Park in Division 1. This was also the first match in Newcastle's first ever league title winning campaign. The crowd of 25,000 enthusiastically received both sides and acknowledged Arsenal as a welcome newcomer into the top flight. The champions-elect opened the scoring in the 10th minute when, direct from a corner, Jock Rutherford beat Jimmy Ashcroft in the Woolwich Arsenal goal. Ronald Orr then scored twice in the 62nd and 86th minute to ensure Newcastle gained a 3-0 win. The game had been well contested. Arsenal certainly did not disgrace themselves in their inaugural match at this level. A big difference between the sides was in front of goal. While Arsenal were hesitant and wasted their chances, Newcastle were clinical. The Arsenal's first game in the 100-year sequence was against Newcastle on August 30th, 1919. It was also the first ever top-flight game at Highbury, and the first competitive game since World War I ended. This exciting restart to peacetime football led to massive queues at King's Cross, snaking all the way to St Pancras train station for the tube to Gillespie Road on the day of the game. The gates had to be shut before kick-off with many thousands still outside. However, just prior to kick-off, some gates were forced open, allowing many of the throng outside to gain entrance without paying. The crowd of 40,000 witnessed a tight match which was won in the 25th minute when James Henderson thundered a shot past Ernie Williamson. Henderson had scored with their only meaningful shot of the afternoon, 
allowing Newcastle to take the points back to the northeast with the 1-0 win. On November the 9th, 1968, our featured match day programme on pages 46 and 47, Arsenal chose to celebrate our 50th consecutive year in the top tier of the English game with a Division 1 match against Newcastle. 34,277 spectators witnessed the Jubilee match on a sunny afternoon, but it failed to live up to expectations, ending goalless despite George Graham and John Radford's best efforts as the Gunners' strike pair. Both sides had good shouts for goals in the second half. Arsenal, when a John Samuel strike was handballed off the line and over the crossbar by Pop Robson, but was unseen by the referee. Newcastle were convinced a Jackie Sinclair strike on the hour was good, but was disallowed for offside. After the game, Arsenal held a banquet and danced for 400 guests at the Park Lane Hotel Piccadilly. That same night, former and current players and dignitaries from both clubs were prominent as the party went into the small hours. Arsenal vs Newcastle August 30th, 1919 Did you know? Jock Rutherford played for the Gunners in 1919, but 15 years earlier he had appeared for Newcastle in the 1904 game against Arsenal. Approximately 500 ex-military and wounded soldiers were given free entry to the game. Bill McCracken, Newcastle defender in the 1919 game, was the only player from either side present at the 1968 celebration game and dinner. Arsenal honorary steward Claude Stevens was the only Arsenal representative at both the 1919 match and the 1968 dinner. He occupied this role at Highbury for 57 years between 1913 and 1970, second only in Gunner's length of service to our own Ken Fryer. In these commemorative games, the only time the Gunners scored was in the opening match in 1893. Club culture, Arsenal around the world. Dover Gunners celebrate a milestone. The Dover Gunners are 25 years old this year. However, the journey started 44 years earlier when an 8-year-old Tim Padfield, growing up in post-war Dover, decided to support the Arsenal because, although he knew they wore red and white, he thought they must be pretty special to play a cup final wearing old gold shirts. From then on, Tim made the 180-mile round trip to Highbury on an increasingly frequent basis until, in 1971, he got his first season ticket with fellow gooner Bushy Normack. Unfortunately, Bushy was unable to go to the 1979 Cup final as he had an illness that would ultimately claim his life. By this time, Tim had three boys, Mick, Mark and Paul. Mick, being the eldest, was to be Tim's companion as we beat Man United in the final. Over the following years, Tim took the boys to Arsenal, either in the schoolboys' enclosure or the North Bank. The family became complete in 1984, when Tim's daughter Emma was born, and she immediately had to be an Arsenal fan. As the boys got older, the family attended more and more away games, and were joined by fellow Dover Arsenal fans Gary Catamull, Frank Benn, Bill Browning and David Browning. 
They were in Paris for the Cup Winners' Cup semi-final, where we drew 1-1, so when Kevin Campbell scored in the home leg, we were going to Copenhagen. During the Maybank holiday, Mark asked Mum for an old sheet and bought some paints from a modelling shop. Over the weekend, the old sheet was transformed into the Dover Gooners banner. This is pictured in the hard copy, hence this being the 25-year anniversary. Over the years, the Dover Gooners went from strength to strength and we were eventually officially recognised as a supporters' club by Arsenal and the membership flourished to in excess of 300. Pre-season tours in Austria were always a date in the calendar and many friends were made from all over England, Europe and beyond. As a result of this, we decided that we would have an annual Christmas get-together. The dinner grew over the years, regularly attracting at least 200 guests, coming from as far afield as Austria, Italy, Germany, Norway, Bulgaria, Canada and USA, enjoying the company of the likes of Terry Neal, Charlie George, Sammy Nelson, Eddie Kelly, Bob Wilson, Frank McClintock, Martin Hayes, Graham Ricks, Brian Talbot, Nigel Winterburn, Tony Woodcock, John Lukic and Pat Rice. This year's guest is Mr Arsenal himself, Tony Adams. We have raised many thousands of pounds for the Willow Foundation from our raffles at the dinners and the winners have managed to snap up some really unique signed memorabilia over the years. Tim was 77 last week and in his 70th season of being an Arsenal fan. He hasn't missed an Arsenal final since 1950 and is here tonight as always with his family. The next generation has continued in the Arsenal way with grandsons Freddie, Liam and George along with granddaughters Millie and Neve being regular visitors to Emirates Stadium. Nepal's Divine Inspiration Nabin Chikraka from our official Nepal Supporters Club recently sent us this account of a recent event. On the last full moon, we held an event at the very sacred Buddha Monastery, Kathmandu, which is also a UNESCO World Heritage Site. We had arranged a respected Tibetan monk to worship and pray with us, providing Buddhist mantras and rituals. This was to provide special wishes for Arsenal's success in the Europa League this season, to win all the remaining Premier League fixtures and confirm a top-four finish, also to be Premier League champions next season and to keep our players injury-free. There were around 42 Nepalese Gunas and Gunarets participating and worshipping together. We hope this will help to fulfil the wishes of all our fellow global Gunners. We would like to show you one of our members who we think looks like Masut Ozil. What do you think? This is, of course, a photograph in the hard copy of this programme. Generous Thailand Thailand Arsenal have presented a total of 23,500 baht to the Thai Red Cross Society from the Cloth Bank Project. The money will go to the Thai Red Cross Society charity programmes and victims from heavy storms in the south of Thailand earlier this year. One hundred consecutive years in the top flight. On this day, Diaby off the mark in Villa thrashing. Arsenal five, Aston Villa nil. Premier League, April the first, two thousand and six. Arsenal's last season at Highbury was a curate's egg of a campaign. 
horrible spells of form, including losing six out of 11 games in early 2006, were matched by sublime moments, many of which came in the run to the Champions League final. But there were also exceptional performances in the Premier League, one of which came against Aston Villa on April Fool's Day. Emmanuel Adebayor, signed three months earlier from Monaco, headed home his fourth goal for the club after 20 minutes, and the lead was doubled five minutes later, a delightful chip over Thomas Sorensen by the master finisher Thierry Henry. The second half yielded an even better effort from Henry, a nonchalant side-footed effort into the top corner of the net from 25 yards. Effortless. Adebayor wasn't the only young Arsenal striker trying to keep pace with Henri, however, and with 20 minutes remaining, Robin van Persie showed superb footwork on the goal line to beat a Villa defender before flummoxing the onrushing Sorensen and smashing home from a tight angle. A game of great goals was wrapped up by a player that Arsenal fans were already super excited about. Abu Dhabi was the lowest profile of a triple signing that January window. 16-year-old Southampton wonder kid Theo Walcott grabbing most of the headlines ahead of Adebayor and Diaby, who arrived from Auxerre. But in the ten games since his arrival, the 19-year-old Frenchman had provided a tantalising glimpse of hopefully what the Gunners could expect for a decade or more. All action, with a whiff of Patrick Vieira, his balance, quick feet and perpetual motion immediately endeared himself to supporters. His 80th-minute strike in this match was the result of a lung-busting run onto an Adebayor through-ball. Just six games later, Sunderland's Dan Smith produced a vicious ankle-breaking tackle which sidelined him for seven months and, it's fair to say, prevented Diaby from reaching the expected heights for club or country. After a career battling against injury, he retired from football on February the 25th this year. One hundred consecutive years in the top flight. Defining seasons, 1919-20. stroke Tales of the century. Arsenal elected to the first division. The real story. Historians Andy Kelly and Mark Andrews have spent years painstakingly unearthing the real story about Arsenal's election to Division 1 in 1919. As you may be aware, this season Arsenal are celebrating an unprecedented 100 consecutive years in the top flight of English football. For much of that time, the story of how the Gunners came to be in the First Division following the end of the First World War has been told and retold in many publications. So much so that it now bears very little resemblance to what actually happened at a special general meeting held by the Football League on March the 10th, 1919. Using contemporary sources, we can now produce a true account of the events leading up to that date and what actually happened at the meeting. The story begins towards the end of the 1914-15 season, which was played while the country was at war with Germany. The Football Association's decision to continue to play first-class football despite the ongoing war had proved unpopular with much of the media and the population in general. A match played between Liverpool and Manchester United on April 2nd, 1915 was proved to have been fixed by a number of the players, 
and the result meant that Chelsea were relegated from the first division at the end of the season. Also around this time, Blackpool had put forward a proposal to extend the Football League season and enlarge the first division from 20 to 22 teams. However, before either of these seemingly unconnected events could be deliberated, the FA suspended football with the war continuing to rage, with little sign of abating. Following the cessation of hostilities in November 1918, Talk of how football would resume for the 1919-1920 season started where it had left off three years earlier. Blackpool's proposal was resurrected and opinion was that this opportunity should be used to help Chelsea retain their position in the first division, which they had been unfairly robbed of. However, there was no precedent for this and it would need to be debated at the special general meeting scheduled for March 10th. On every other occasion that the top flight had been extended previously, the bottom two teams had been invited to take part in an election along with any other teams from the second division who also wanted to be considered. This system was again used in 1919 and the clubs that were interested in being elected started their campaigning as early as January. Tottenham used Southern-based newspaper The Sportsman as their mouthpiece whilst Arsenal aligned themselves with the Athletic News based in Manchester. Arsenal chairman Sir Henry Norris wrote a letter, which is held in the Arsenal Museum, to its very influential editor Jimmy Catton, asking him to lobby on behalf of Arsenal. This proved a shrewd move, as 34 of the 40 Football League teams were based north of Birmingham. Norris's main argument in favour of Arsenal was that they were the first Southern team to play in the Football League back in 1893 and had remained loyal to the league ever since. On the day of the meeting, it was agreed to extend the first division to 22 teams. Chelsea were elected unopposed as expected and Arsenal topped the poll of the other clubs gaining 18 votes to Tottenham's 8. It has been written that the Football League chairman John McKenna made a rousing speech in favour of Arsenal at the meeting, but this was not reported in any newspaper at the time, even those that gave forensically detailed accounts of the meeting. If he had made such a speech, it would have been big news. It has also been written that Norris had coerced the Football League Management Committee to hold a snap election at the meeting but it's very clear from reports at the time this had been planned well in advance by the committee and every club was fully aware what was going to happen in advance of the meeting. Towards the end of the 1960s, unsubstantiated allegations of near-illegal tactics by Norris were made by Ralph Finn in his book From Chapman to Me, which have subsequently snowballed into full-blown accusations of bribery by Arsenal's chairman in an effort to ensure his team regained their place in the first division. No evidence has been found of inducements being offered by Norris, only conjecture, and it would be a very high-risk strategy to approach as many as 17 other football club chairmen and hope that none of them would reveal such impropriety especially as Norris had much to lose having been knighted for his work during the war. Perhaps the most telling indication of who provided the most influence towards Arsenal's cause came in April 1930. At a lecture in Hornsey, Herbert Chapman introduced the guest speaker as the man who got Arsenal into the first division. The speaker, Jimmy Catton. (laughs) 
Action. Arsenal versus Rennes, Thursday, March the 14th, 2019. At 2000 hours, Emirates Stadium, Europa League. Attendance, 59,453. Arsenal, 3. Rennes, 0. Arsenal, 1-4-3 on aggregate. The scorers were Aubameyang in the 5th and 72nd minutes and Maitland-Niles in the 15th. Referee Andres Tremanis. Playing for Arsenal were 1. Czech, 15. Maitland Niles, 20. Mustafi, 6. Koscielny, 31. Kolasinac, 18. Montreal, 34. Sharka, 8. Ramsey, 9. Lacazette. Substituted in the 69th minute. 14. Aubameyang, 10. Ozil. Substituted in the 69th minute. Substitutes were 19 Leno, 11 Torreira, who came on in the 87th minute, 29 Ganduzi, 17 Iwebi, who came on in the 69th minute, 7 Mikatarian, who came on in the 69th minute, 49 Kitia, 22 Suarez. For Juan, 40 Kubek, 3 De Silva, 4 Mexa, 7 Saar, 8 Granier, who was substituted in the 69th minute, 11, Nyang, 14, Burigod, 15, Bensi Beni, 18, Ben Arthur, 21, Andre, 27, Traore. Substitutes were 1, Badia Chile, 23, Hunu, who came on in the 69th minute, 2, Zefane, 5, Dumbia, 12, Lea Siliki, 22, Del Castillo, 26, Gallen. Match stats, total shots, Arsenal 12, Rennes 11. Shots on target, Arsenal 4, Rennes 2. Corners, Arsenal 1, Rennes 6. Offsides, Arsenal 2, Rennes 10. Fouls, Arsenal 14, Rennes 15. Possession, Arsenal 55%. Gren, 45%. First half. Trailing 3-1 from the first leg in France, there were just five minutes on the clock when we went ahead on the night. Aubameyang was in the right place at the near post to divert Aaron Ramsey's low cross past the keeper. We kept the pedal to the metal after taking the lead, and the second goal soon followed. Aubameyang just about kept the ball in play to loft across to the far post, where Maitland-Niles arrived to firmly head home. We were ahead on away goals, and Huen now had to go on the attack. Second half. And early in the second half, Huen so nearly scored an away goal of their own, but Patracek was down smartly to fingertip Mbay Niang's low shot onto the post. The game was getting increasingly scrappy, and the longer the game stayed at 2-0, the more nervy it became. Seat Kalasinak made a superb tackle in the box before Bensibeni struck the post, though he was flagged offside. Unai Emery introduced Henrik Mkhitaryan and Alex Iwobi, and the latter shot just wide with virtually his first touch. Moments later, Mkhitaryan was involved in the third goal. He fed Kolasinac on the left, and his low cross for Aubameyang was perfect for him to tap home. 
Our top scorer then celebrated his 22nd of the season by donning a Black Panther mask. Aubameyang missed two chances to wrap up his hat-trick, but in the end it didn't matter. We are through to face Napoli in the last eight. The numbers, 1970, we last overhauled a two-goal deficit in Europe in the first cup final against Anderlecht in 1970. 12. Angley Maitland-Niles was the 12th player to score for us in the Europa League this season, the most of any side in the competition. 4. We have capped four consecutive clean sheets at home in Europe for the first time since April 2009, six in total in that run. There are seven photographs with this report. The main one under the scoreline has the caption Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang scores the all-important third goal. The other six, clockwise from top left. Former Grand star Petra Cech saves from Adrian Hunu. Ensley Maitland-Niles is thrilled to have made it 2-0 for the Gunners. Alexandra Lacazette battles with Benjamin Andre. Nacho Monreal, one step ahead of the game as usual. Aaron Ramsey fires a goal. Seat Kolasinac celebrates with goalscorer Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, a.k.a. the Black Panther. Thirty-three years in the community. Community. Using the power of Arsenal to positively impact the lives of young people since 1985. Kicks Respect Cup. On Saturday, March 16th, we hosted our first Kicks Respect Cup at Hale End, home of our young of our youth academy. Participants from our Kicks and Football plus projects attended to the eight-team under-12 tournament, which aimed to promote respect and fair play. Awards were presented to the top scorer, best goalkeeper, and player of the tournament. In keeping with the theme of the respect, individual and team fair play awards were also given out. Despite the windy weather, there were excellent football played in a tightly contested competition. Congratulations to Football Plus, who eventually won the tournament. Joseph Uluwu, a member of our under-23 squad, was on hand to present the awards and the following tournament. Several players have been invited back to Hale End for a game against the academy. This has been a great day and a fantastic experience for our participants. To be able to play here at the academy is something that they will never forget. Thank you to everyone at Hale End for hosting and supporting a successful event. Visitors, Newcastle United. Newcastle United are close to securing another season in the Premier League and have been in good form of late under the expert tactician Rafael Benitez. With 35 points on the board and seven games to go, Newcastle United are within touching distance of Premier League safety. Wins in each of their last five league games at St James's Park, where they lost their opening five fixtures of the campaign, including a 2-1 defeat against Arsenal, have enabled Rafa Benitez's side to pull clear of a relegation zone that they have hovered uncomfortably close to for much of the season. This is only the Magpies' second season back in the top division, following their promotion as championship winners in 2016-17. 
Last term was also something of a struggle, until they turned things around with a blast of four straight wins in the early spring, eventually finishing in a respectable tenth place with 44 points. If they can maintain their recent form, especially their recent home form, until the end of the season, matching that feat would seem an achievable target. While Newcastle have been wooing the locals of late on Tyneside, they have not won any of their last seven away games in the Premier League, losing four and drawing three since they prevailed 1-0 at Huddersfield with a Solomon Roden goal in December. Indeed, they have won just twice on their travels in this league campaign, the other victory coming at Burnley, 2-1 in late November. But recent draws at Wolves, 1-1, and last time out at Bournemouth, 2-2, have edged them towards mid-table sanctuary. Should Newcastle stay up, they will celebrate their 25th Premier League season in 2019-20. Close to winning a first league title since 1927 in the mid-1990s, when they finished runners-up to Manchester United two seasons running, under Kevin Keegan, then Kenny Dalgleish, they came third in 2002-3 under Sir Bobby Robson. But their only qualification for Europe over the past decade came on Alan Pardew's watch in 2011-12, when they finished fifth and reached the Europa League quarter-finals the following season. Having been relegated in 2015-16, they finished 18th with 37 points, the Magpies' ambitions have had to be tempered since Benitez took charge three years ago, but with a manager of his calibre and experience, allied to huge and passionate support, the general feeling is that Newcastle have been punching below their weight for far too long. Generations of Geordies have never seen the club win major silverware. In fact, 2019 marks the 50th anniversary of their last trophy, the 1968-69 Intercities Fairs Cup. It is even longer since Newcastle had their hands on a major domestic trophy, the most recent of their six FA Cup wins having come back in 1955. This season, the club's domestic cup hopes ended early. They were removed from the League Cup by Nottingham Forest in August, beaten 3-1 at the City Ground, and lost 2-0 at home to Watford in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Premier League survival has always been the club's top priority for 2018-19, however, and that looks likely to be achieved with room to spare. The Breakdown Star-Spangled Magpie De Andre Yedlin enjoyed a special moment when he played for the USA against Chile in a friendly last Tuesday. Winning his 59th cap, the 25-year-old captained his country for the first time. By George When Newcastle beat Arsenal 1-0 in the 1952 FA Cup final, the goal came from Chilean striker George Robledo. The next Chilean to score in the FA Cup final was Arsenal's Alexis Sanchez in the 2015 4-0 Cup final win over Aston Villa. The visitors, Newcastle United. You can find Premier League appearances and goals for all the Newcastle United players this season towards the end of tonight's programme. The target man, number 9, Salomon Rondon, born Caracas, Venezuela, 16th of September 1989. Previously, Aragua, Las Palmas, Malaga, Rubin Kazan, Zenit St. Petersburg, West Brom, Game Stroke Goals, 26 Stroke 10. 
joined Newcastle on a season-long loan from West Bromwich Albion last summer, with Dwight Gale going in the opposite direction. Handed the iconic number 9 shirt, the powerful 29-year-old has worn it well and needs one more goal to make it 10 in the league this season. A club record signing at £12 million when he joined the Baggies in 2015 from Russian club Zenit, Salomon was top scorer in each of his three campaigns at the Hawthorns. A Venezuela international, he has netted at each of the last three Copa Americas and recently opened the scoring in a 3-1 friendly win against Argentina. The second striker, number 17, Ayosa Perez, born Santa Cruz de Tenerife, Canary Islands, 22nd of July 1993. Previously, Tenerife. Game stroke goals, 188 stroke 42. The effervescent Spanish forward left his native Canary Islands for Newcastle in 2014 after an excellent season in the Spanish second division and has made a positive impression on the Geordie faithful, establishing himself as a mainstay of the team's attack under Rafa Benitez. He struck a memorable double against Everton last month to turn prospective defeat into a 3-2 win, making it six goals for the season in the league, all at home. The diminutive 25-year-old was also on target at St James's Park in a 2-1 win against Arsenal this time last year. Looks familiar. Founded in 1892, Newcastle's kit in the first two years of their life was that of Newcastle East End FC. Red shirts with white shorts and red socks. In 1894, the club adopted the black and white stripes as their home kit, which had been used as the reserve team's colours. The cultured left foot, number 11, Matt Ritchie, born Gosport, 10th of September 1989. Previously, Portsmouth, Dagenham and Redbridge, Lone, Notts County, Lone, Swindon, Bournemouth. Game stroke goals, 118 stroke 22. Although born and raised in England, Matt has opted to play international football for Scotland, though he was not involved in the recent European qualifiers. The gifted left-footer and set-piece taker joined Newcastle at the start of the 2016-17 season from Bournemouth and enjoyed an excellent campaign, scoring 16 goals in all competitions, including 12 in the Magpies' championship triumph. He had also previously starred in the Cherries' championship-winning campaign of 2014-15, playing in all 46 matches and scoring 15 goals. On his return to the Vitality Stadium two weeks ago, he fired home Newcastle's late equaliser in a 2-2 draw. Eight ballers. Miguel Almiron is the eighth Paraguayan to play in the Premier League. The previous seven being Antolin Alcaraz, Wigan, Fabian Balbueno, West Ham, Paulo da Silva, Sunderland, Diego Gallivan, Newcastle, Juan Iturbe, Bournemouth, Christian Riveros, Sunderland, and Roque Santa Cruz, Blackburn, Man City. Lascelles Hoop Dreams. Jamal Lascelles hails from a family of professional basketballers. His dad, Tim, was a star player for Derby Storm through the 80s and 90s. Older brother, Remmer, currently plays for Leicester Riders in the BBL, having previously played college basketball in America. Old Fools. Newcastle have faced Arsenal just once before on April Fool's Day, 108 years ago. 
George Morrill's Woolwich Arsenal travelled to St James's Park on April the 1st, 1911 and returned to South London with a 1-0 victory under their belts, courtesy of a John Chalmers goal. It was revenge for the Gunners, who had lost the reverse fixture earlier that season 2-1 and Arsenal had the upper hand at the end of the season, finishing 8th in Division 1, two places above the Gunners. The Breakdown Basics Formed 1892 Nickname, The Magpies Stadium, St James's Park Owner, Mike Ashley Record Appearance Maker, Jimmy Lawrence, 498 Record Goalscorer Alan Shearer, 206. The skipper, number 6, Jamal Lascelles. Born Derby, 11th of November, 1993. Previously, Nottingham Forest, Stevenage, Lone, Nottingham Forest, Lone. Game stroke goals, 131 stroke 8. An England youth and under-21 international, Jamal was signed by Newcastle from Nottingham Forest in 2014 before spending his first season back on loan at the city ground. He came into his own at St James's Park during the club's championship winning campaign and was named club skipper by Rafa Benitez. He has remained a linchpin of the Magpies' defence in the Premier League although he missed the recent trip to Bournemouth through injury. With fellow centre-back Fabian Shah suspended this evening, he will hope to be fit again to lead the side. The ex-gunner, number 14, Isaac Hayden, born Chelmsford, 22nd of March 1995. Previously, Arsenal, Hull, Lone. Game stroke goals, 88 stroke 4. An Arsenal Academy graduate, an England youth international at every age group from under 16 to under 21, Isaac had a loan spell at Hull before leaving North London for Tyneside on a five-year deal in 2016 and starring in his new club's championship winning campaign. A defensive midfielder with a strong physique, the 24-year-old played only two first-team games for Arsenal both in the League Cup, but has re-established himself as a regular in the Newcastle side since the turn of the year, starting all of the club's last 13 Premier League games and scoring in a 1-1 draw at Wolves. Born in the USA, number 22, DeAndre Yedlin. Born Seattle, USA, 9th of July, 1993. Previously, Seattle Sounders, Tottenham, Sunderland, Lone, Game stroke goals, 93 stroke 2. A member of the USA side that reached the last 16 of the 2014 World Cup, the Pacey fullback joined Tottenham after that tournament but made just one appearance before joining Sunderland on loan and fixing a permanent deal to Newcastle in August 2016. A championship winner in his debut season, he has been the first choice right back in the past two Premier League campaigns and will reach 100 appearances for the club at the end of the season if he plays in all the club's seven remaining fixtures. The second of his two Newcastle goals came in a 2-1 defeat at Man City last September. Played in the USA, number 24, Miguel Almiron, born Asuncion, Paraguay, 13th of November 1993. Previously, Cerro Porteño, Lanus, Atlanta United. Game stroke goals, 6 stroke 0. 
newly acquired in January for a club record £21 million fee from MLS champions Atlanta United, Miguel arrived with a reputation as an eye-catching dribbler and goalscorer. A Paraguay international, he spent two seasons in the USA and was voted into the MLS All-Star team in both of them. Last season, he inspired Atlanta's maiden MLS Cup triumph with 12 goals and 14 assists, persuading Newcastle to make him their most expensive purchase, surpassing the £16 million spent to bring Michael Owen from Real Madrid in 2005. The 25-year-old has started Newcastle's last five games. Between the posts, number 12, Martin Dubrovka, born Zilina, Slovakia, 15th of January 1989. Previously, Zilina, Esberg, Slovan Liberec, Sparta Prague. Game stroke goals, 43 stroke zero. Martin has been a huge hit on Tyneside since he joined the club on loan from Czech side Sparta Prague in January last year and played a blinder on his debut, a 1-0 home win against Manchester United. The 30-year-old keeper was recently voted by the North East Football Writers Association as their Player of the Year from 2018 and has now played 43 successive Premier League matches from the start to finish. Twice a Slovakian champion with his hometown club Zelina, he is also the current number one for his country and won his 16th and 17th caps in the recent Euro 2020 qualifiers against Hungary and Wales. The boss, Rafael Benitez, born April 16, 1960. Games, 139. Previously, Real Madrid B, Valladolid, Osasuna, Extremadura, Tenerife, Valencia, Liverpool, Internazionale, Chelsea, Napoli, Real Madrid. Info, one of the most decorated managers of his generation. Rafa led Liverpool to 2004-5 Champions League glory in his first season at Anfield. He would spend five further years with them before a brief spell with Inter. Out of the game for almost two years, he returned as interim boss at Chelsea and led the team to a Europa League triumph. Then Napoli came calling, followed by hometown club Real Madrid. Two months after being dismissed by Madrid in March 2016, he replaced Steve McLaren at Newcastle, too late, however, to save the club from relegation. The breakdown, halfway there. Across his 25 years of management, Rafa Benitez has managed 1,103 league games and has won 550 games, a win percentage of 49.9%. Victory this evening would see that number rise to 50%. All English, there has never been a Premier League match in which all 22 players in the starting 11 of both sides were English. The most was 21, when QPR faced Newcastle in January 1994. The only non-Englishman was QPR goalkeeper Tony Roberts, a Welshman. Words by Mike Hammond, Aidan Small. The Breakdown PL Stats 2018-19 Goals Solomon Rondo 9 Ayosa Perez 6 Karen Clark 3 Fabian Shah 3 Jose Lu 2 Assists Solomon Rondon 5 Matt Ritchie 4 Isaac Hayden 3 Xavier Manquillo 2 
Ayose Perez 2. Completed passes. Jamal Lascelles, 923. Matt Ritchie, 864. Martin Dubrovka, 863. Fabian Shah, 713. DeAndre Yedlin, 679. Tackles 1. Mohamed Diame, 72. Ayose Perez, 52. DeAndre Yedlin, 52. Isaac Hayden, 51. Matt Ritchie, 47. Scouting report. Michael Cox. Rafael Benitez will, of course, have done his tactical homework for tonight's match. Having been a committed 4-2-3-1 man throughout his distinguished managerial career, it has been something of a surprise to see Rafael Benitez using a system featuring three centre-backs with wing-backs during the second half of this Premier League campaign. But Newcastle have been extremely well organised in that formation, which appears more like 5-4-1 than 3-4-3 for long periods. Only Cardiff averaged less possession this season than Benitez's side, and therefore the Magpies are likely to spend long periods with nine men behind the ball here. Benitez, as ever, is capable of changing things intelligently from the bench. A recent home game with Everton saw Newcastle 2-0 down at half-time, so he switched to a 4-4-2 system, moving Ayoes Perez from the right into a position alongside Salomon Rondon, previously playing up front on his own. This prompted a remarkable comeback. Perez and Rondon combined for the latter to smash home the first goal. Perez scored the equaliser from the rebound and then Rondon brought down a long ball and allowed Perez to convert the winner. If Newcastle use a two-striker system here, they can be very dangerous with direct balls into attack. Rondon leads the line and is largely based around his aerial power. He's one of only two players in Premier League history to score a hat-trick of headers, back in his days with West Brom, although he's also shown great technical quality this season and is dangerous with side-footed efforts from free kicks. Perez can play up front from the right flank or as a number 10, and Benitez likes his compatriot because of his tactical discipline and work rate. More creativity has been added with the arrival of Paraguayan Miguel Almiron, a title winner in both Argentina and the United States. A dangerous counter-attacker from the left, he can shoot, dribble and assist expertly. Perez and Almiron are allowed into central positions thanks to the sporadic overlapping from the wing-backs. Right-sided De Andre Yedlin is extremely quick but can be vulnerable to defensive mistakes while left-sided Matt Ritchie, who hit a late volleyed equaliser at his former club Bournemouth last time out, is a converted winger with an excellent delivery. The central midfielders are tasked with staying deep and protecting the defence. Isaac Hayden, more of a centre-back when coming through the Arsenal Academy, is solid in a positional sense and also offers some good passing into attack. Youngster Sean Longstaff has been ruled out for the season, so Benitez must choose between John Joe Shelby's creativity, Ki Sung Young's steady distribution, or Mo Diame's runs into attack. The three centre-backs largely keep things simple and stay in position. Jamal Lascelles plays the central role and is excellent in the air, with Frederico Fernandez likely to play if he doesn't recover from injury.
Paul Dumit is comfortable on the left side, while Florian Lejeune is a good option on the right, though they will miss out on the suspended Fabian Schaar's tremendous long-range strikes, as evidenced by his recent opener in a home victory over Burnley. This concludes the visitors' section. Arsenal Women The Gunners regained top spot after a five-star performance against Liverpool and news of one of this season's stars committing her future to the Gunners. Women's Super League Sunday, March the 24th Prenton Park, Tranmere Rovers FC Liverpool 1 Sweetman Kirk, 76 Penalty Arsenal 5 Little, 20 Mead, 22, 65. Bloodworth, 67. Midema, 85. Arsenal reclaimed their place at the top of the Women's Super League, running out 5-1 to one winners over Liverpool at Prenton Park. Vivian Midema scored her 20th league goal of the season, while Victoria Schneiderbeck made her first appearance for the club, following a lengthy spell on the sidelines. We should have been leading inside five minutes when Kim Little failed to hit the target from a dangerous position inside the box, but it didn't dent our captain's confidence as she scored less than 15 minutes later. Katie McCabe received the ball on the left wing, charged down the line and picked out Little, who found the back of the net with a first-time finish. It was the perfect start and less than two minutes later, we doubled our advantage through Beth Mead, who fired home from close range, following a stunning pass from Midema. We extended our lead at the start of the second, when Mead struck her second with a deft chip over Anka Preus and into the back of the net. Many in the crowd believed that it was a cross, but it was no fluke. The England international has made a real habit of scoring from tight angles this season. Shortly after, Dominique Bloodworth made it four with a diving header, before Courtney Sweetman-Kirk pulled one back for the Reds from the penalty spot. We continued to push on, though, and in the 84th minute, Midema scored the pick of the bunch. The Netherlands international fooled three defenders and the keeper with a fake shot, before turning once more and chipping the ball into the back of the net. It was the perfect goal to round off a stunning attacking performance. Arsenal, Peiro Magnan, Evans, substituted with Samuelson in the 74th minute. Williamson, substituted with Schneiderbeck in the 83rd minute. Quinn, Vehe, Bloodworth, Little, van der Donk, McCabe, Midema, Mead, substituted with Carter in the 69th minute. Subs not used, van Wienendal, Arndt. Katie signs on. Republic of Ireland international Katie McCabe signed a new long-term contract with the Gunners last week. The 23-year-old has had an excellent season, primarily playing on the wing. She has played more games than any other player, 29, and has scored eight goals and made 11 assists. In all, the Dubliner has now scored 11 goals in 58 appearances for the club. Katie is a very versatile player, strong and creative, and her development throughout my time here has been very positive, said manager Joe Montemuro. I'm looking forward to seeing her continue to grow and achieve with us.
Last match moved. Arsenal's last match of the season, a potential championship decider against Manchester City at Meadow Park, has been rescheduled. Originally due to take place on Sunday, May the 12th, the final afternoon of the Premier League season, the match has been brought forward to Saturday, May the 11th, with a 12.30pm kick-off. All of the WSL fixtures have been moved to the Saturday. Arsenal's home match against Everton on Sunday, April the 21st, has a change of kick-off time. Originally scheduled for 2pm, the match has been moved forward 90 minutes and will now kick off at 12.30pm. This is due to Everton's men's fixture against Crystal Palace being rescheduled. Leah and Beth in the squad Leah Williamson and Beth Mead have been named in Phil Neville's England squad for friendlies against Canada and Spain in April. Neville's team take on the Canadians on Friday, April the 5th at the Man City Academy Stadium, kick-off 7pm, then Spain on Tuesday, April the 9th at Swindon Town's County Ground, again with a 7pm kick-off. It's the final squad selected by Neville before the big one, his selection for the Women's World Cup, hosted in France this summer. 2018-19 Arsenal Fixtures Correct, as at Thursday, March the 28th. Sunday, 19th of August, West Ham United, CC, 3-1, home game. Sunday, 9th of September, Liverpool, 5-0, home game. Sunday, 16th of September, Lewis FC, CC, 9-0. Wednesday, 19th of September, Yeovil Town, 7-0. Sunday, 23rd of September, West Ham United, 4-3, home game. Sunday, 14th of October, Chelsea, 5-0. Sunday, 21st of October, Reading, 6-0, home game. Sunday, 28th of October, Bristol City, 4-0. Sunday, 4th of November, Birmingham City, 3-1, home game. Sunday, 18th of November, Everton, 4-0. Sunday 25th of November, Brighton & Hove Albion 4-1, home game. Sunday 2nd of December, Manchester City 0-2. Thursday 6th of December, Charlton Athletic CC 5-0, home game. Wednesday 12th of December, Millwall Lionesses 3-1. Sunday 6th of January, West Ham United 4-2. Wednesday 9th of January, Birmingham City CC 2-1, home game. Sunday 13th of January, Chelsea, 1-2, home game. Sunday 27th of January, Reading, 3-0. Sunday 3rd of February, Crawley Wasps, 4-0. Thursday 7th of February, Manchester United, 2-1, home game. Sunday 17th of February, Chelsea, FAC, 0-3. Wednesday 20th of February, Yeovil Town, 3-0, home game. Saturday 23rd of February, Manchester City, CC Final, 0-0. Lost 4-2 on penalties. Thursday 14th of March, Bristol City, 4-0, home game. Sunday 24th of March, Liverpool, 5-1. Sunday 31st of March, Birmingham City, WSL. Sunday 21st of April, Everton, WSL, home game. Sunday 28th of April, Brighton & Hove Albion, WSL. Saturday 11th of May, Manchester City, WSL, home game.
Player Interview Granite Xhaka December 20th, 2015 was a special evening for Granite Xhaka. Then, 23rd, the Switzerland International had gone full circle at Borussia. Mochenlaba. Recovering from a tricky start to the life in North Rhine-Westphalia to become a key player for the side that would go on to make the Champions League at the end of the season. His influence in the dressing room had steadily grown and having consistently impressed both on and off the pitch for an extended period. Gladbach boss Andrea Schubert rewarded Granite by handing him the captain's armband for a home match against Darmstadt. Lining up alongside Granite in the tunnel that evening was a five-year-old Julian who had won a competition to enter the pitch with the team. A young boy with Down syndrome, Julian was as he is today, football mad, along with his mother, Teresa. Julian would regularly attend Gladbach's open training sessions, waiting for the players before they went out clapping them on their way back in. Granite knew of Julian, but it was on the night of Darmstadt game, the night that Julian took his hand as they stepped onto the pitch, that their story really began. I have a special connection with Julian, Granite remembers. In my first match as captain at Borussia Mönchengladbach, he came onto the pitch with me and I instantly felt this really nice bond with him. Their relationship with Julian is really special. I noticed it the first time I ran out onto the pitch with him. There was a special connection. He would always come to training too, no matter if the weather was good, if it was raining, if it was cold or if it was snowing. He was always there, always smiling and laughing, always waving. I actually spent lots of time with him at Gladbach. Granite wasn't the only one to feel the developing bond with Julian. I remember, a month or so after, Julian was mascot. We gave Granite a picture from the day, says Teresa, Julian's mum. At the time I noticed that for Julian, a real bond with Granite had formed. We saw each other very often at Borussia Mönchengladbach's training, and I remember sensing that there was a bond that was good for both Julian and Granite. Granite has devoted so much time to Julian, he would come to meet him before training, and after training, and even during sessions, he'd wave to Julian and speak to him. It almost became a ritual, and you could sense that they were building a lasting friendship. It was a beautiful time, and I remember that it made me really upset and fearful when Granite came here to Arsenal. Granite made the move to North London in the summer of 2016, but maintained contact with Julian and Teresa. But why did the two stripe up such a connection? When you're a bit down after a game, or if you're having a bad phase and you see him, it gives you this positive energy, Granite explains. You forget your worries. Here's a boy that gives me a lot of strength. He's very special. He's always positive, despite his disability. He's always smiling, laughing, and he shows that you can still be happy, despite having a disability. There are many people who have everything in life and still complain, but this boy has a positive outlook and a smile on his face. And that smile was very much on the display back at the end of February, when, unbeknown to Julian, Granite invited his young friend and Teresa to London, having been surprised by Julian upon arrival at London Colony. Julian watched our first team squad train before taking to the pitch himself, meeting the squad and scoring penalties after Peter Cech and Pierre Abramic Abameyang. I think it was the first time I'd seen him in about three years, Granite smiles. It was a really special moment, and you could see that he recognised me straight away and smiled the same way he did when I first met him. It was really so nice to see him again after such a long time. 
For one month, I had to keep this whole surprise a secret from Julian, Teresa adds. A month ago, we were told about this plan, this surprise, and it had been such a success. Julian's everyday life is just like that of every normal kid. He's a boy who loves playing football, from morning until night. He loves his PE lessons and is now in the second year at school for children with mental disabilities. I'm just so delighted that after three years, this bond is still there, and Julian can come to see his brilliant friend, Granite. Having travelled to renew acquaintances with Granite, Julian and Teresa were also able to watch our Swiss midfielder on the pitch in the 2-0 win over Southampton at Emirates Stadium, before being taken pitch side after the match. He has that positive approach and a smile on his face. A real enjoyment of life, Granite concludes. After taking Julian onto the pitch for a post-match kickabout, you could learn a lot from that. I think having a connection like that isn't something you have every day, especially with a child with whom you aren't related to or know through family. The boy is just unbelievable, and sometimes I'm actually lost for words to describe him. Life is too short to spend worrying all the time. You have to relish every day, think positively, and stay happy, despite what can happen. The boy is a big example for many people. Teams for Arsenal had coach Unai Emery. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and red and white socks. 1. Petra Cech, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 4. Mohamed Elneny. 5. Socrates Papastathopoulos. 6. Laurent Koscielny. 7. Henrik Mikatarian. 8. Aaron Ramsey. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Monsieur Terzel. 11. Lukas Torreira. 12. Stephen Lichsteiner. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 15. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Alexey Wobi. 18. Nacho Monreal. 19. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper. 20. Schroeder Mustafi. 22. Denis Suarez. 23. Danny Welbeck. 25. Carl Jenkinson. 27. Konstantinos Mavrapanos. 29. Matur Ganduzi. 31. Seat Kolasinac. 34. Granit Xhaka. 43. Charlie Gilmore. 47. Zach Medley. 49. Eddie Anquitia. 53. Julio Plegasuelo. 59. Joe Willock. 87. Bukeo Saka. For Newcastle United, manager Rafael Benitez. Black and white striped shirts, black shorts and socks. 1. Rob Elliott, goalkeeper. 2. Kieran Clark. 3. Paul Dummett. 4. Ki Sung Yang. 5. Fabian Shah. 6. Jamal Lascelles. 8. John Joe Shelby. 9. Salomon Rondon. 10. Mo Diami. 11. Matt Ritchie. 12. Martin Dubravka, goalkeeper. 13. Yoshinuro Muto. 14. Isaac Hayden. 15. Kennedy. 17. Ayose Perez. 18. Frederico Fernandez. 19. Javier Manquillo. 20. Florian Lejeune. 21. Joselu. 22. Deandre Yadlin. 23. Antonio Bereca. 24. Miguel Almiron. 
26. Carl Darlow, goalkeeper, 29. Nathan Harker, goalkeeper, 30. Christian Atsu, 36. Sean Longstaff, 41. Freddie Woodman, goalkeeper. Officials. Referee Anthony Taylor. Assistant referees Gary Bezik, Adam Nunn. Fourth official David Coote. The Arsenal Foundation. Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. That brings us to the end of this audio communication from Arsenal Football Club. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Invented in the lab, proven on the pitch. Fuel like the Gunners. Gatorade, number one sports drink in the world. The official sports drink of Arsenal Football Club. Find paradise above and below the Indian Ocean. From crystal clear waters and coral reefs to pristine beaches and spectacular resorts. Choose from four destinations in the Indian Ocean on Emirates.com. Emirates. Vitality. Health and life insurance. Health and life insurance with up to 50% off monthly gym membership. A joining fee will apply. Vitality.co.uk slash rewards. Official wellness partner, Arsenal, Vitality. 50% off with Vitality Health Plans. 40% off with Vitality Life Plans with Vitality Optimizer or Wellness Optimizer for an additional £3.80 per month. Minimum monthly premiums and further terms and conditions apply. Virgin Active, flexible individual monthly membership. Excludes Virgin Active, Chiswick Riverside Health and Racket Club. 
Nuffield Health Fitness and Wellbeing Clubs applies to one-month contracts. Visit vitality.co.uk slash gym for further details and participating gyms across the National Vitality Partner Gym Network. Vitality Health and Vitality Life are trading names of Vitality Corporate Services Limited, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.